seen a lot of uh, Scottish football on television uh, back in Holland. And uh, of course, uh, you see a fantastic uh, arena here. So, I mean, it was, it was uh, interesting to come to uh, Scotland and uh, play for Celtic. Hello, welcome to the By the Celtic podcast, the first By the Celtic podcast of the new year. My name is Lawrence Donegan, and this week I'm joined, as I'm joined every week and every year and every decade, by my good pal and co-host, Mr. Rem McSwain. How are you doing, Rem? Uh, I'm good, Lawrence. How are you? Uh, where does the new year find you? Are you back in wherever it is? Darlington? I'm in, I'm in sunny Darlington this evening, yes. Uh, no games uh, on right now. I saw on the Celtic Instagram feed today, because I'm never off it. I wonder if I've got a Twitch channel. I'm, I've been introduced to Twitch by the wee man. Uh, anyway, uh, the club are in Dubai uh, doing their midwinter training. How's your midwinter training going, Rem? <laughs> yeah, I was at the gym tonight, so uh, and I had a five k on Saturday, so not too bad. I, I must get. I haven't got my copy of Athletics Weekly in. Did you break the world record? Athletics. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so. Very good. I don't think so. Uh, anyway, uh, Remy, we are joined. It's a special. Because there are no games, uh, we are joined, uh, as we're joined most weeks now, by uh, Mr. Paul Thompson. How are you doing, Paul? I'm very good, Lawrence, and uh, Happy New Year to you both, belatedly. Uh, the, uh, I say it's not a special show, because <laughs> we don't have any games. I say it is a special show. Well, it's a special show because you're on, Paul. But it's also a special show because you managed to collate uh, all the questions. We're doing a, we do an annual question and answer session. Uh uh, I'm not sure it's going to be as exciting as last year's because we had all the fallout from uh, the rat heading off to Leicester. Uh, are they still second, Rem? I haven't looked. Are they still second in England? I don't care. Oh, really? Um, I saw he didn't take his talents to Arsenal. Um, oh, but he got a new contract, oh, so he's... he he, um, he worked that one his own advantage as per usual. Um, as Paul, you've collected all the questions. Is there any questions about uh, Tierney? In the, in this. Uh, no, there's there's uh, surprisingly nothing really about that far back transfer business. So no, oh, no, no I just heard that. There's a couple of, a couple of rat references, but um, I'm assuming that was the blessed Brenda. The um, the I know I just heard a rumor, we rumor. I mean, put it no higher than that. I hear all sorts of rumors. Of course, everybody does. A bit homesick. Wouldn't he mind coming back? Would you take him on loan, Remy? I know it's a que- not a question. No, because he's injured again. Aye, that's true. Oh, we couldn't afford him anyway. Well, we could afford him on loan, I guess. But um, Paul, how's he going to shift ball and goal out of that team? <laughs> that's brutal. Anyway, listen, we've got we've got all the uh, we've got all the questions in various sections. Uh, I'm going to start with the tactics one because it basically falls into. Tactics slash uh, the Rangers game, which we lost 2-1 in case you've just woken up. Um, all sorts of fear and loathing. I switched the Twitter machine off for a week or four or five days. I couldn't, there was just so much nonsense getting talked on there. I think we thought the world had ended. Um, anyway, uh, we'll start with the first one, Paul. I'm just looking here. Um, where is it? All oh, right, this is from Celtic OK. I can read that name brilliantly. Celtic OK. Any fears of Lennon not winning nine in a row? Can he be trusted now to lead us to ten in a row? You can start, Remy. Well, 
if he doesn't win nine in a row, he's not doing ten in a row, is he? Really? Uh, I, have, I have absolutely no fears about the league. Wow. What, what makes you say that? Uh, well, I think we're going to buy a couple of players. Uh, I think we will learn a lesson um, of the last game uh, and not play so... Well, that's, that's the last two. We've just surrendered the midfield, so you'd like to think we wouldn't do it again. Uh, and, I, and I still, despite them deserving to win the game, I still think they're a pretty average team. And I think they will drop points in the second half of the season because they've got no winners in their team. Um, the uh, Do you think if we didn't win the league this year, they would fire Lennon? I don't think that's a possibility. Well, oh, all, all, what I meant was if he didn't win this year, he couldn't do 10 in a row oh, right, because okay. there wouldn't be 10 in a row. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, if we don't win the league this year, both him and Lowell should be marched out of the stadium. Wow, that's pretty bold. Uh, what if he what if he came second with a record points uh, total, won the two cups and got to the quarterfinals of the Europa League? Tough. Oh, got to win the league. Tell you what, Paul, that's going to be a rough old night the next time Remy wanders into the tenants bar, isn't it? <laughs> Aye, uh, he's right though. I mean, when you look at where we started the season coming off the back of... A treble treble with a considerable financial advantage and again I'm I'll, I'll, I'll hasten to add I've got no fears about the league either but from the point of view if things did go horribly wrong then somebody would need to be accountable for it and the obvious places you would look would be well who controls investment in the team and who coaches the team so that I'm, I'm hoping it, and I'm pretty sure that'll not happen but yeah I think uh, <laughs> We're in a position now after three years of total dominance and eight years before that, uh, you know, considerable dominance that if we pissed it away this year, somebody would need to pay the price for it. Um, the question, any fears of Lennon not winning nine in a row? I have real fears, I have to say. Uh, I think that uh, the other ten clubs in the league have got significantly worse. So... Uh, the chances of them dropping points against those other teams that they that's significantly reduced. Um, so I think that's that that you know years gone past that was a help to us obviously because we were far superior. Uh, but the likes of Aberdeen and whatever could be trusted to you know give them a game every now and then. But that's that's Aberdeen Aberdeen drew with them. I I know that, but you know what? Uh, yeah, they got Aberdeen. They beat Aberdeen five 0 at home. I think they actually drew. They drew with Harps, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, the uh, so I think that's a, that's a problem. So then it comes down to the then it comes down to the the four games uh, against them, and you know it's a kind of toss up. Is it, I was listening to you there, Remy, saying, "Well, we'll learn our lesson the next time." Well, hang on a second. I, I know you did correct yourself, but you know we should have learned our lesson after the, the League Cup final. I, I was astonished. Uh, to see that we essentially played the same way as we did in the League Cup final, we played the same way uh, at home, uh, which just was just startling to me. Uh, what did you? Uh, it struck me as well. We've got better players than them. We can't be as bad as we were at Hamden. Let's just go again. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, I thought that was a pretty arrogant. Um, 
and no, I would never use the term lazy, obviously not, but you know, you would have to work out a plan. You'd have to look at that the game at Hamden, the cup final, and think, well, hang on a second, this is how they're going to play. They're not going to be any different because it succeeded for them in a way. So you have to prepare for how they're going to play, and it seemed that we didn't we did exactly the same thing. We seeded the, the that you know that space between our eighteen yard box and the halfway line. We just basically gave them that that you know that square, and and tried to to go around them. I, I, so I don't know where you get the. Hopefully, we'll learn a lesson. Well, you. Well, I thought I thought Forrest. Right, I, I, I'm I, I'm not going to. I don't want to be doing a a, a review of two weeks ago of complete misery. But all our big players were crap, right? But we say Edward had a couple of decent moments, but Forrest Johnson. Christie, I thought Brown and McGregor were terrible. <coughs> Although a lot of people seem to think McGregor and Brown were okay, I thought they were terrible. So our, our front six didn't turn up at all. No, no, you know, and, oh. and, 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 and it wasn't Ryan Jack. And listen, Ryan Jack is an average midfield player. We just did not get into the game. The fullbacks were were providing their width, which was weird because it meant that jo- Forrest and Johnson kept running inside. And to be honest, the Huns were delighted to let Frimpong have the ball. And everything that he's been doing in the previous games of playing without fear, he totally froze. He, he didn't do anything that he's been doing in any of the games. We just didn't play at all. If we'd have scored the penalty, I think we'd have won the game. But right. we didn't. Uh, and when we got it to one each at half time, I thought we would turn up the second half and gub them. And again, we didn't. We didn't start playing and creating chances until it was too late. But having said that, they we two off the line. We missed a penalty. Foster hardly had a save. I mean, for all they were the better team, they didn't cut us open that much. Uh, and would would they have quibbled about a draw? I don't think they would have. The um, again, I, no, I don't want to get into an argument because we've got a million questions, but. I, you know, you say our front six never turned up. There's a reason for that. These things just don't happen. That that, that just doesn't drop out of the sky. I, I don't know, Paul. Yeah, I, I think they, they, the way they set up did not allow our, our front five or six or whatever you want to call it. It didn't allow them to play. And that we should have seen that from Hamden. We should have known that that's what they were going to do. It's uh, it's the strangest thing. I, I just don't understand why we went and played the same way as we did in Hamden. Any thoughts, Paul? I... I guess my take on it, and very quickly, because I know we don't want to kind of get forensic on it, but uh, I thought we lost the game. You know, conventional wisdom has it we lost it in the middle of the park. I actually thought we lost it in the wings because I thought our, our four wide players were all terrible. So I thought Johnson, Forrest, Trimpong, and Bowling Goalie were absolutely dreadful. Uh, Christie was just all over the place as well. But, but to me, you had Brown kind of pulling out right losing his position and that was creating the space for them in the middle of the park I actually thought McGregor had a good game so you know I'd, I'd sort of argue the toss around McGregor but completely agree around Brown and the simple thing with Edward was he just there was no service there was no through ball for him there was nothing for him to nothing for him to chase it was we created nothing uh, okay here are two questions here one I can't believe this right uh, uh, still on the same subject uh, DAP23 asks what should be our tactics against them the next time? And the golf badger writes, I'd say that Remy and Paul are very tactically astute. Well, <laughs> I see there's one name missing off that list. Uh, what do they think <laughs> What do they think the team needs to do on Francis, the pitch? 
Aye. What do the team? What do they think the team needs to do on the pitch to beat Rangers in our next two fixtures with them away at Ibrox and with a potential title decider at Celtic Park? You can go first, Paul. Uh, simply turn up. That would be the starting point. Uh, I think there's probably more than that. I think we, we definitely need to get the midfield sorted out. Whatever you know, variety four or five he plays in there, they need to know their roles. They need to know who they're playing against and actually remember who they're playing against. We're getting guys like Ryan Kent and you know, I'm not even sure who else was playing in there for them that day, but we're getting them the greatest amount of respect when they're they're fairly average players. We're supposedly proven winners. Uh, we we looked tired in the middle of the park at times, but I, see, I, I maintain it was because the guys were getting dragged all over the place because of the, the non-performance of the wide players. But for me, if you if we play a normal game, if we play the game we played in Europe this uh, this season, for instance, the away game, Lazio, the home games, uh, we should be beating Rangers comfortably, even at their best. I mean, you know, taking Rennie's point back uh, for a few minutes ago, them at their best probably just edged it. But, you know, as you say, nobody would have really grumbled if it had been a draw. Us at our best are capable of destroying them. So we turned up, we were relatively good against them at Ibrox, which has been forgotten a bit. You know, we, we kind of, second half especially, we outplayed them at Ibrox. Uh, so it's the capabilities there to do it. It's the same players. We just need to get ourselves organised and get ourselves instilled with, with belief that should already be there. Uh, Rem? Uh, I, I, I don't think we should be playing out of form players. Um, I think uh, Forrest has been, and I like Forrest, Forrest has been pretty poor for a wee while now. Uh, you know, and we were using the excuse oh, he was playing in the wrong wing. But he's 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 not, there's no threat to his position. Uh, he's not been rotated. McGregor, you know, saw the start again, most minutes at any Pro footballer in Europe. That's a horrendous stat. It's horrendous. Why? Why can we not rest Callum McGregor? You know why? Why can we not rest Scott Brown? We we've got good enough players to win games without them. Uh, and I think we need our players need to be fresh. And, and as Paul said, they need to play to form. None of them played. None of them played to form at all. Every single one of them had had a well, not every single one, but. Most of our players did not have a good game, and it was nothing to do with them pressing us or harrying us. We just didn't pass to our own teammates. Everything that we we tried, we you know we can do against Aberdeen, we couldn't do against them. They were just all four and five out of ten. When if they'd been seven out of ten, we'd have won the game. Uh, you won't be surprised. I, think. I, I disagree with that. All most of that. Uh, the what should our tactics be against them next time? Well, uh, we have to dominate the midfield. We have to ask oh, ourselves. Yeah. So, how what do we do to dominate the midfield? I think somebody else brings asks, should we have? Uh, that was Mullen in '86. Should we have played in Cham instead of Johnson? I, I guess I would we, have played in Cham. Yes, yeah. and I would have brought him on at half time as well. Yeah, um, but I, you, you I, admit you've made a mistake and you correct it, and we did it too, too late. Um, but the reason, you know, we, again, I keep coming back to that square. You know, if you draw a square at, from the halfway line to our 18-yard box, you know, that goes stretches out, you know, to towards the sidelines, that we completely seeded that space. And the reason that we, we can't find our teammates is because we're, we're hitting 45-yard di- diagonals. You know, it's, it stands to reason. 
that a 10-yard forward pass breaking a line has got more chance of finding a teammate than a 45 diagonal to a boy standing out in the wing in a very tight space. Uh, we need to, I don't know if it's a question of numbers or how we deploy the midfielders, um, but we have to we have to find a way to, to get that space. And rather than them, we also have to play further up the pitch I, 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 because yeah. I don't think they're particularly, Morelis isn't particularly quick. You would take either of, well, Ayers not quick either. But I think he'd probably do um, um, Morelos in a sprint. Um, and certainly Julien would do anybody that they've got you know, running through the middle in a sprint. So we have to play further up the field. We have to compress that space. We have to, we have to because of the Ibrox game, we won that space in front of our, that, you know, the space that I'm talking about. We played further up the pitch. We, we dominated that space. We didn't let them get close to each other to make those kind of line-breaking passes. Uh I, I don't know. I, again, I don't know why. I mean, I'm just some idiot with a microphone and a Skype account, you know. Uh, but I mean, I, I mean, I think I can work it out. I just don't know, understand why why the coaching staff didn't do something along the, the same kind of lines. Yeah. Does any does that make sense, Paul? Yeah, it does. It does. And, and, and the other thing, which I'm sure we'll come on to talk about in the, in the next few minutes, and as we're getting through some of these questions, will be we've still got the January transfer window ahead of us. Uh, we're in the middle of it now, but we've got three weeks left there. We've got to assume uh, that we're going to be signing players. I, I think there's a certain type of, of player, certainly in our forward play that we're missing. And that, if I go back to when we've been at probably as good as anything against them, uh, it's been when we've, we've had a bit more strength up front. I'd be very inclined to, to look at if we bring in a strong centre forward, for example, somebody with a bit of you know upper body strength and somebody that can be a kind of physical threat against them, uh, you might think about pulling Edward wide. That the time we did that with Edward and Dembele absolutely devastated them. So that's something to think about when we get through the transfer window as well. I, again, I would, but then I would ask, I would point out that you know you can have. You know, you can have a kind of set up like that, but if you don't win the ball in that spit, you know, in that midfield area, then you're struggling. Yeah. You're absolutely but struggling. Still, but we're playing with two. We're we're playing light. So if you look at how we played last week, we're playing with two lightweight wingers who who weren't involved in the game. There's an argument to say we we might have just you know packed that midfield out, and you know you, you as Remy says, we're looking for the fullbacks to create width. So why we bring because the two wingers are coming inside. So if your two wingers are coming inside anyway, why even play them? Just have players that play inside. Have players with a bit of, a bit of strength and a bit of guile in the middle of the park. So effectively play with four conventional midfielders and somebody wide that can attack. Because playing with two wingers doesn't always work. Uh, the other thing, if you look at in their, the way they set up, I mean, I thought it was, they identified, well, one, they guessed that Christie was going to play in that 10 hole, which was kind of interesting to me. I think they, somebody must have told them. Because they were completely set up for that, uh, so, so they had two, they had Jack and Davis basically double teaming Christie every single time, you know. So he he just couldn't get into the game, uh, so they took him out of the game. So when we are if we set up with four midfielders, you know, then they have to have the assigned roles. They have to, you know, this is your. I I, I mean, you know, we can all kind of argue about the quality of their players, but but you know. It's, you know, Arebo seems to do quite a bit of damage for them these days. So somebody has, you know, a couple of players have to be assigned to him. He cannot, you know, he cannot be allowed to do any kind of damage. He he has to be shut down as soon as he gets a ball. The way that they did with with, with Christie, um, 
so it's okay to impact the midfield, but as long as everybody has a, a has a role to play, a yeah. specific role. Yeah, I understand that. Here, um, there's a question here, uh, Remy. You might know. Actually, two questions in the same kind of subject. Duco James, he he raises a question that you raised, Remy, about McGregor playing too much. Brown playing an insane amount for his age. Played more. Brown is apparently this. Listen to this. He's played more than double the minutes of any defensive midfielder in Europe over the age of thirty. He looked dead in his feet against the second half against Rangers, or the Huns as he calls them. In contrast, look at Liverpool deploys 33-year-old James, James Mid, uh, Milner. There wasn't a single 34-year-old plus defensive midfielder in the Champions League season and hasn't really been in over 10 years. It comes to the question, is Celtic analytics staff incompetent or is Lennon stuck in 2005? And somebody else has asked on the same lines, uh, Woof Mog has the sports science analytics background team that the rat took from Parkhead been replaced? Remy, do we, well. I, I don't. I don't know. But I mean, what we did, I mean, what we were told was that Lennon and his team are nowhere as near as bad in the analytical stuff as has been portrayed. Uh, and there's somebody still left. I can't remember the guy's name. Jack Jack Lyons didn't go, but he 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 subsequently went. Um, yeah, and no, he, no, no. There's some. There's somebody else. Is somebody else is still there. I think it's the fitness coach or something like that. I'm not sure, but it's, I believe they still do a lot of analytical work. Now, maybe they don't do it to the same standard as Roger's staff did, because maybe the budgets have been cut. I do not know. But Lennon knows what it takes to play in centre midfield. I just think we have completely overplayed Brown. We've rested him for one game this year. They're in Fairland. In the League Cup. I didn't go Played to Cluj. Everywhere. He didn't go to Cluj, did he? He right, He wasn't rested for that one. He deliberately got booked against Rennes. Oh, miss right. it. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely believe he signed Manyama in the summer and I genuinely believe it was to replace Brown. And that's one of the problems we have. I, I, he's having a decent season. His legs are going. I, see it. If you get back, you get past him. Aye, he's not cashing it. The, um, the last few games has been terrible. I mean, he's been past the ball at the park under the pressure three or four times a game. He just, he's not... I, I really like Scott Brown and he, there's still a place for him, but it's not every week. The uh, I, And again, I think, I know Jack Lyons was replaced by somebody else off Twitter um, in terms of you know advanced scouting. I don't know what is interesting to me. I'm glad this came up, actually. There's a boy on Twitter who... Um, Alan Morrison, who goes Celtic by numbers with the eight yeah. for the B. Absolutely phenomenal. We had a conversation with him the other night. Um, really brilliant, brilliant stuff. Actually, I had a disagreement with him, but that's, that's by the by. In terms of analytics, um, if anybody's interested, the new, if you, you go type Liverpool FC and New York Times magazine. you will throw up a piece that was on the front cover of the New York Times, and it's about Liverpool and its um, status as the preeminent team uh, in analytics uh, when it comes to mostly recruiting players. A really phenomenal piece. Uh, I, I I don't know what... I mean, I suppose I could find out. I just haven't asked. You know, what does Celtic do in terms of statistical analysis? You know, do we use it at all? I have no idea. But, you know, if Celtic are looking to... To employ somebody, I uh, I don't I think they could uh, do a lot worse and have a look at uh, Alan Morrison's stuff. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he broke down the uh, 
they broke down the Rangers game and said, in fact, Remy, he, he, he basically his stats confirmed what your impression that it wasn't that much of a gubbing. It was actually a lot tighter than you think. Um, so, but the whole, the, but the use of analytics, we have to get onto, especially in the, the recruiting recruitment area. I think it's really, really important, and I, and I'm pretty certain that we that we don't. Nick Hammond is the new. I think he's. I think he's classed as technical director. So you know he he did a lot of the recruitment in the summer. I'm assuming he's doing it in January. We don't know what he's brought to the party. As far as I'm, I know, I don't think he's done an interview in the Scottish press. I don't think he's got any friends in the Scottish press. I don't think any leaks out him. We don't know what these guys do, and you know, and I'm not going to criticise them for not using analytics when I don't know whether they do or not, but I bet you they do. They maybe just don't use it the way other clubs do. Um, actually, all I know about Nicky Hammond is he had a fantastic uh, transfer window in the summer. Really brilliant. We, uh, everybody loved that transfer window. Um, so, uh, but it'd be interesting. Inter- maybe we should, we should maybe ask around and find out what exactly what the club does. But I, from, from my perspective, I can only say that I don't think we could, no matter who we've got, if we can't, we probably couldn't do any better than that. When Celtic by numbers, guys, absolutely phenomenal. Love it. Uh, the um, the yeah, no, and Liverpool. I mean, here's an example of Liverpool. Who's the Japanese kid at um, Red Bull Salzburg? Mian? Is it Manamino. Mian? Manamino. Ma- yeah, Manamino. So Liverpool going buy him for seven million, which is is what they got out of Rangers for Ryan King. They bought a boy, you know. Established Japanese international, phenomenal player, basically the best midfielder Salzburg have got, and they get them for you know they're they're just phenomenal. Liverpool's recruitment strategy is is fantastic. I, I'm just scared that uh, when it comes to that, I, I just scared that Rangers are uh, are just basically adopting the Liverpool model at every single level, and and that Liverpool model appears to be well, it's clearly it's clearly it's working. Uh, we need to. If it's an arms race and and an analytics, we need to get. We certainly need to get involved. Any thoughts, Paul? Yeah, I certainly agree in terms of the, the the recruitment side of the game. We we need to be smarter than we we were in our previous regime as we've kind of gone on about length. Hammond uh, early impressions were and are good. We'll see how what January brings us in terms of recruitment. But I know there's a lot of planning for the future going on in terms of younger players as well. Uh, I think just going back to the, the analytics side of the, the actual, you know, picking the team. I think the point that's made in the question, the original question that you read out, and Remy's point is is a great one, which is we we com- continue to completely over rely on Brown and McGregor. Certainly, McGregor probably young enough that he can cope with it, but we've seen the dangers of overplaying players. You see what's happening. Not that it's our issue, but what's happened to Kieran Tierney in terms of his, his body's just not capable of, of taking the number of games that Rodgers played him in. And uh, there's a danger there with McGregor that can happen as well. And there's a real danger around Brown. Brown, uh, again, going back to the game, uh, his lack of awareness at the second goal was was costly for us. Uh, his general performance was poor, but his general performance right through December wasn't brilliant. He's, he looks tired and he's 34-year-old and we're playing him in every just about every game. We we only rotate two players in that midfield. If you if you take that five uh, across the middle, the only two who really get rotated are are the left wing position and the number ten. You know, McGregor, Brown, and Forrest pretty much play every game if everybody's, everybody's fit. And that with a size of the squad that we've got, 
doesn't seem a sustainable model. We certainly, you know, we, we should have been planning for Brown's replacement, eventual replacement, two, three years ago. I suppose you could argue that's what the Kowasi signing was all about. I know that's not worked out, but at the time that was how he was heralded as the long-term replacement. But we certainly should be looking at it now. I will move on. Apologies if you sent a tactics question in. We never kind of got to it. It's just I've got so many questions. Here, um, here's one from Ironweed1999. Does Martin Shev actually exist, Paul? <laughs> well, I mean, there's two, two ways to answer that. One is, one is, yep, I've heard a lot of stories about him being homesick, etc. but he's a professional player. He's at Celtic. We're in dire need uh, you know, alternative wide players. We've talked about that already on this podcast. So uh, he must be doing pretty badly in training if he can't get even near near the squad. I know we've got a lot of players, but you know, at one stage it looked like we were going to be over endowed with wingers and wide players. Now we're we're, we're kind of you know scraping the bottom. And he he's, what, he played two games, he played one European game and one. I think what can't remember which game he played. He played one of the home Lost games. Didn't county, come on, as Lost Lost county, county, come on at six, nothing. So again, we've got a a bad habit in the last few years of spending two, three million quid on players who we barely see. Kouassi's one, there's him. You could argue bio, I know we're seeing a bit of bio early on the season, but you know, these guys in Scottish terms are no cheap. So if they're not good enough to play, you have to question why we're buying them. The um yeah, I've heard the uh... The homesick stuff. I think it was a similar story. He went to Spain. Was it Seville? Was that? But yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're, you're Ted, how badly must he be doing a training if Lewis Morgan's getting a shout before him? So I was going to say the one thing I can can say is that he has been seen in Dubai at the training uh, sessions, so he does exist. Oh well, there you go. There's a shout. Uh, here we go. N he N he two four seven. It's clear the spine of the team needs a serious upgrade. What three signings at? Well, what three signings at uh, centre half, midfield, and centre forward should we make? I'm not expecting you to pull out names from the, you know, the Slovakian, you know, second division, but uh, uh, centre half, midfield, and centre forward is that the three signings we need, Rem? Uh, I would say we certainly need us. We definitely need a striker, uh, and and uh, the the guys either got to be a backup for Edward or his replacement, and we're bedding them in. So guys like. Glenn Murray, the names that are coming out fill me with absolute dread because he's 36 and he's done. Uh, we need somebody in the midfield who can plug the gaps and still his legs. If Wanyama wants to come to us and he's fit, I, I can't see why we don't go and get him. Whether it's a loan or a buy, we can afford it. This is the thing, we can afford to buy players. Um, Ayer needs taken out the team again. Um, he's making too many mistakes. Uh, and I think him and Julian have had no competition for their places, so they seem to know if they play badly, they're going to keep playing, because Julian has really struggled with guys that wind him up and get physical with him. He loses a plot. I mean, it's a man away guy, some dumpling, wound him up, and he chased him all over the park, and completely felt his game fell apart. We need a centre-half. So, Semyonovic isn't reliable. Beaton's okay, but he's not really a centre half. Um, you know, but I, I really don't want to see guys like McKenna and Cosgrove named as these guys. We need to buy quality, and they need to be able to play in the team. Not they'll be ready in six months. Not they're homesick. Not their English isn't very good. They should be playing for their teams just now. I know, I know, when Yama doesn't, but 
Well, to be honest, they should have been in Dubai because we've been crying out for a centre forward since August. You know, Griffiths has not got back to anywhere near sharpness. Bio, God knows. Edward has been playing 50 to 60% fit through December just because there was nothing else. We can't keep doing that. It's an Argyle wreck. We don't, we don't give them... We should be able to take Edward out against Hamilton Ackies and have a, a, a backup striker that can play. The Huns are able to do it with, with Morelos. They played the four in the Diddy games and he'll score against Hamilton and Livingston and all that. St Mern. We don't have that option. So that's an Argyle we're overplayed. We must buy a centre-forward. But the only thing is, you know, you got. I, I don't think you can expect a centre forward in his prime or just but younger than his prime, but heading towards his prime. I don't think you can expect a player like that to come. I think we need to buy a centre forward. You know, I, I mean, I saw Billy Sharp. You know, that name get kicking around. Whatever it doesn't matter. But I think your best hope is is bringing in a, a player like that who, as you say, Rem, good shout. That would would play in. Uh, that would play against the Diddy teams. You can expect them to score, and then you know it gives Edward a, a time to get rested. Uh, good shout, Rem. Um, although I think we've got to look at the older, more mature. What's Gary Hooper doing, Paul? <laughs> uh, I think he's Australian now, isn't he? He's he's, he's scored. He scored. He scored in New Zealand, and uh, he's in the A League, and he scored on uh, Saturday or Sunday whenever they were playing. I think it's Wellington Phoenix or something. He plays oh, for. Oh, coming all the way back from Wellington Phoenix. But we, we yeah. do need somebody in that. Here's a question here for you, Paul. Uh, from Mickey, Mikey Gala, uh, would you buy Cosgrove from the Sheep? Uh, as a steward. Oh, as uh, a steward. <laughs> That's poor. Uh, certainly not as a player, no. Uh, yeah, listen, to, to, to be fair to Cosgrove, he's, he's much, much improved. He used to be absolutely terrible. Now he's just terrible. Uh, no, no, under no circumstances. I think in terms... If the question, I think the unfair question is, I'm I'm thinking on somebody else's behalf here, but we, I would like to see us have a physical striker with some ability, uh, somebody that can can play right up against centre halves and and can take the knocks and uh, if you need to go long, you know, on the odd occasion as we probably should have done the last ten minutes last week, for instance, somebody that you can get in there, but uh, I'm I'm not inclined to think that he's the right player now. Here's one from Mikey Gala. He's got a million questions in here, but it's a good one. Uh, if you got offered five million for Rogic, would you sell him, Paul? Uh, at this stage, yeah. Uh, if again, you've got to look at us in terms of the assets we've got and the game time we're getting out of them. So back to what I said a few minutes ago, we've 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 got players that we've paid millions for that we're not playing. We've got players that are potentially worth millions that don't look like they're going to get a great deal of game time. Uh, there's always been the suspicion that Lennon and Rogic didn't really mix in terms of, you know, I don't even think I fully thought Rogic gets in that team just now ahead of Christine Sham. So, uh, do we need three number 10s if we're calling Sham a number 10? Uh, and if we're calling Christie a number 10? I, I don't know. I, I, I would seriously think about that kind of money if you got offered. But who's going to offer five, six million pounds for them if he's not playing for us? The uh, I, I just question the 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 sense in selling a player at this stage you know it's a, a case I mean I don't think I think we can all agree this is a pretty serious challenge now at this stage I'm I, I certainly much more so than last year I feel I, I might you guys might disagree so why would you why would you get rid of I mean Roger might come in handy at some some point 
he might come in handy, but he's 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 definitely on the fringes of things. So if you've got if you've got your eighteen on a match day, Rogic is likely if he's fit to be in the eighteen. But it, yeah. on the evidence of the last four months, he's unlikely to be in the eleven. So of that eighteen, we've got another 15, 16 that cumulatively we've spent a lot of money on that are sitting about doing nothing. So if we bring another couple into that equation, as we're talking about another two, three signings, somebody needs to go. People need to leave that squad. We, we've had this chat before about we've had Dyla and then uh, Rogers and then Lennon when he came back, all talking about the size of the squad, and it's never been reduced yet. The uh, what maybe I've when you're talking there, Paul. I don't know Rem, if we got. Well, I don't think anybody's going to offer five million for Rogic. But I saw one Yama uh, going to Galatasaray for five point five. I mean, you'd, you'd swap. You certainly swap one in for the. You swap one Yama at this stage of the proceedings. You would swap one Yama in for Rogic. Agreed. I would. Uh, I, I I think we could probably get a wee bit more for Rogic, but I uh, he's just not. He's not done it. He, he, he had a bad season last season, and he's not really done anything this season. I'm, I'm kind of, I think his time might be up, and I'm not convinced he, he wants to be here anymore. So, I'm actually have a view of no. If MD doesn't want to be here, they can go uh, and get as much as we can for them. Right, speaking of which, Andy McKennany, Andy McKennany. Other than Jack Henry, who, yeah. who else will we realistically be able to get rid of? Has Scotty Sinclair gone yet, Rem? Well, he's, uh, he's had his medical today, so he'll be away. Uh, I would get rid of Craig Gordon. Um, I think we need to get rid of Kuasi. Uh, I would get rid of anyone would take him. Sorry, uh, yeah. I think. Sorry, did I break up there? Uh, no, you're all right. Go on. Uh, I would get rid of Griffiths. Um, Oh, we've got we've got loads of players we we really yeah, need to look at. Yeah, but who can who do you, who, realistically who can we get rid of? Who who would who, who can we ship out realistically? Oh, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure we'll get we'll get a few players out in loan. I mean, if if they want to go in loan, I mean, Gordon keeps bumping his gums about wanting to be a number one. Well, whoever wants him as a number one, my view they can have him. Uh, we should we should get rid of him. Uh, I think well, obviously Jack Henry's going to go somewhere. Uh, Rogic probably Griffiths for me has to go. Do we need Moritz Bauer? Don't know. Um, mate, can we end his loan? I don't know. Uh, I just think we've got. As Paul said, we've got we've got too big a squad. You know, we've got Arzani. You know, who's who's on a two year loan has had one game and still isn't fit. Uh, are we going to extend him, or are we ever going to give him a game? I know he's in Dubai. Um, did we ever going to fit? We've got too many players squad, and we've got too many injured players in the squad. Paul, who can we realistically get rid of? Actually, hang on. Here's a better question: Liam Hamilton, ninety-one. Should we be loaning fringe players to other teams to try and take points off the Huns, i.e., Griffiths and Morgan to Hibs, Gordon to Hearts, Ebuie, Schwed, Henry, and Bio could all go to supplement other teams? With no impact on our match day squads, not a bad shout, that is it? Well, to be honest, that I'd put a slightly different spin. If, if Gordon and Henry were to go to Hearts, for example, I think I'd be more well viewed to make sure that they go down uh, than anything else. But uh, I'm not really. I, 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 we've had a laugh and a joke about this in the past, you know, particularly when it, uh, they were in the lower divisions and we were loaning players out to win cups against them and that kind of thing, which was painfully hilarious. But 
there's two questions. Yep, we should definitely be loaning players out if they're not going to play. Get them off the wage bill or, or get as much of them off the wage bill as we can. Whether that's specifically to help uh, other teams against Rangers, I don't really care. Uh, I just want, you know, if they're our assets, go out and do the best that they can. And if they're not going to play for us, then it just it troubles me having a squad of 30, 34, 35 players, whatever the hell it is we've got these days. Uh, it just seems daft. Uh, particularly the the money that we're paying these guys when we could be ramping that down and really spending it on quality. There's there's a ten twelve players that are never going to play any significant part for us. So yeah, if if, if they need to go to other clubs in the Premier League, great. If they go to the Championship down south, great. Just get them at the door. Sorry, yeah. the other one I missed. Lewis Morgan's got to go as well. Yeah. Here, this is a good question, and it leads on. I say it got me thinking. Uh, or Billy. O-R-E-B-I-L-Y I think Orbilly do you think Ayer is aggressive enough to play centre back I don't if we're looking for a presence in midfielder and midfield like Wanyama could we move Ayer up that's not a bad shout if we buy a if we can't get Wanyama you might want to push forward Ayer as a defensive midfielder and replace him there with a with a new centre half does that make a, is that a shout absolutely Rem? not no. oh my god what can I remind you Ayer's a first pick for Norway who are going to batter Scotland in not, these not uh, in centre he's not well he was a he was a well, Aye, when he was 16 or, he was a number 10 could you imagine playing Ayer at number 10 I now? don't think I don't think he was ever a number 10 well it might be in Ayer, youth football Ayer is not a midfielder if he's not got the presence to play centre half he's hardly got the presence to play midfield you can't have a midfield spends 8 minutes of the game lying in his arse well I, I think he's got the presence to play centre half. I think he's just having a he's having a pretty indifferent season so far. I'm not convinced with him and Julian together at all. Uh, there's there's a whole aspect. I think Remy touched on it a few minutes. Because a whole a- aspect of Julian's game I don't like at all. Uh, he's he's flings himself at the ground at every conceivable opportunity. He can't cope with physical frontmen. Which uh, hello, you're playing in Scotland. That's all you're going to be playing against. So I'm I'm not sure about Julian at all. I think he's fantastic when he gets the balls down. The raking passes, diagonals are brilliant. But at the moment, the two of them together are a liability. Uh, I I think that might be a shit. If we can get a really good... It looks like the boy from Brazil is going off somewhere else now. Although that's, that just seemed like an absolute disaster. Agents breaking into the club. I mean, just bizarre stuff. So... Um, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, it's a good laugh line, Remy. But Ayer doesn't spend ninety-five percent of the game on his backside. I, I, you know, and he's a pretty talented ball carrier. It, you know, for Post a mi- the ground, half two off. Yeah, yeah, but I, again, he's he's now playing. He'd be playing in midfield. He's a good ball carrier. He's got a kind of physical presence, especially for a midfielder. Um, I, I, again, it's, it's a good question. I don't know. People used to want Virgil Van Dijk to go into midfield. So why? I, I just don't get it. The guy's played set. He's played centre half now for three and a half, four years, and all of a sudden he's feeder. Well, cut it as a midfielder. Okay, that's enough, uh, Chris Ayer. Uh, the how about this one? Is Griffith's time up, Rem? That's from uh, Reed. Uh, Reed one Sandy. Uh, yes. The he's, uh, not getting it back. He's not sharp. Uh, he's coming on. He doesn't look like scoring and. You know, he you know didn't cost the game against the Rangers, but you know his free kick was abysmal, and he is perennially offside now because he's lost any semblance of pace he had. He, he 
he's, uh, he should go. Um, here's one, uh, Paul. Edouard 266-02107. Should we play two up front, especially at home? Uh, if you've got the players, it's an option, but again, I, th- I think it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a myth, really. If, if you've got a, a creative enough midfield, it doesn't actually matter how many strikers you play, to be honest. Uh, the problem we've got is the, the, we're not creating enough in the middle of the park at times. Uh, we're, we're a wee bit flat. Uh, I, I wonder if we, it's maybe more about that thing I talked about earlier, we've got to be a wee bit more flexible with Edward. If we've got somebody to reinforce, you either don't play Edward or you play Edward in a slightly different, more withdrawn role. And we probably need to be a bit more imaginative with the number 10 as well. I think sometimes Christy can just lose focus a wee bit. Uh, so I, it doesn't really answer the question, but I think it's, it should be an option, but I don't think it's necessarily the solution to all our else. The uh, I think for the next Rangers game we should be playing three five one one with basically two up front. But uh, yeah. Edward advanced and and just somebody just behind him, I, I, you know somebody like Christie or somebody like that, somebody who can press and who can harry and who can also create and who can also score goals. I think that's solution. That's the solution to playing. Right. So is it? It's a kind of uh, it's a modified three five two. So two up front. I think that might work against Rangers. Um, don't know what do you think, Rem? Two up front. When was the last time we played two know. up front? Pro- I can't remember. Oh no, Griffiths played with Edward the other week. I think for a wee bit. We we don't have the players to play two up front just. And I'm watching Man City just now, who should have scored about nine against Man United, and they're playing with no strikers. Um, we did play three five two against Lazio, didn't we? We certainly played it away from home. Yes, we played we did. it, and we played three five two. For uh, I think a third of the second uh, the game at home, if I remember rightly, and it and it worked. Um, although I'm, now that I'm bringing it up, I'm trying to remember who played. Who were the two? Oh, I suppose it was Christie, wasn't it? Really, in Lazio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I think I think it could work, especially in the Rangers game, because we need to we need to overload that midfield. We need to get bodies in there. Uh, we can't let them do can't let them do what they did the last two games. Um, Here's one here. Uh, uh, hang on a second. Uh, here's one from Celtic Martin. Eight away games, including three on the artificial pitches, out of the next 13 before the split. Will we be ahead going into the last five games, Paul? That's a, I didn't realise that. Is that right? What have the Huns got? Uh, well, they'll have... It'll be roughly the reverse of that because they, they had the... They had all the home games at the start and then they've, they've had a run of away games, so they'll now be into the run of home games, I would imagine. Uh, will we be ahead? Yep, yeah, I think we will, but I don't think there'll be much in it. I think, given we've got to play them before the split, uh, the assumption being we can come back in the same kind of run after the, the the winter break that we've done in the last couple of years. If we can keep that going, we should be okay. Uh, Remy, if any of that does that run? Because I remember before the um, before you were convinced, I think a lot of people were convinced that Rangers would probably drop a few points. They didn't. Uh, they had a run of away games against pretty solid opposition. Uh, should we? I mean, the three three games on artificial pitches. What's that? Is that? Uh, have we got to play Livingston away again? Oh no. Yeah, yeah Livingston away midweek yeah. in March, I think. And we've got a uh, Hamilton and Kilmarnock away. Yeah, first game back after the break is Kilmarnock away. 
and then we'll get Hamilton on the 1st of Feb uh, and we're away tomorrow on a Wednesday night the first week in Feb as well we've got a, we've got a pretty tough start uh, it's like oh, if we come back flying like we usually do after the Dubai trip then and we've got a couple of new signings who can aid the team then I think we'll be fine um, Mikey Boy asks 10 in a row or win the Europa League Paul uh, 10 in a row uh, the wing's the most important thing whether, whether it's 9 or 10 you know the, the main thing's to win that because uh, I'd, I'd like to think we'd be back in the Champions League at some point within that 10 anyway you know we, we've got this year and then you know hopefully we can learn from mistakes for this season and go back into Champions League next year um, uh, for me it's win the Europa League um, really? because I'd love to see us win a European trophy plus if we win it we go straight in the Champions League without a qualifier so it works for me I'm going to say uh, win the league because uh, we're not going to win the Europa League <laughs> I'm sorry no we're not I mean it's one of these it's not a simple either or I mean it's a, I know it's one of these total you know what if questions it's not likely to happen I mean I want to win the league every year but if I was offered, if it was a straight binary choice and that was guaranteed to happen, I'd take one the public. Here's a good question. B Starks TH, what happens at Celtic next season if we fail to win the league while Peter and Dermot are lighting cigars with £50 notes from the £30 million plus stash in the bank? Well, I mean, what happens? Do we? Uh, is there a serious drop-off in season ticket sales? Is there a, a, a boisterous AGM? What do you think, Paul? Yeah, all of the above. Uh, I think we've talked before about thinking that you know if you look at the you know Walls contract and what was at the time Rogers contract uh, was all aligning towards twenty twenty one, which was your your ten in a row uh, year allegedly. Uh, I think there'll be big changes. I think changes have started at the club already. We've seen if you go back to their sort of. Uh, how annoyed we were at times on the podcast last year about the shambles of the recruitment and the the, the way that you know that side of the, the club was getting managed. There seems to be you know big improvements in that. We've talked about the analytics. We don't know enough about how that's going on off the field. It's you know the board's the board. It's been a little bit of kind of change over the last couple of years with new faces coming in, but you know all still firmly in control and Desmond still firmly in control. I think there's an interesting aspect with, with Desmond's son who has been rumoured in the past about getting more involved him turning up this year for the AGM when traditionally Dermot sent one of his flunkies along so uh, I think there'll be changes at, at the end of 2020 sorry the end of the 2021 season anyway uh, I'm fairly certain that's the point where we'll go but that might be accelerated if things went horribly wrong this year I wonder if it'd be the reverse. If things went horribly wrong this year, they might you might say, "Oh, hang on a minute, I better stay here and get this sorted because this is a uh, this is this is trouble." Um, yeah, I'd like to think he wouldn't have the choice. Well, I don't know who would make that decision. That would be Dermot. I mean, Dermot. I mean, you can't have you can't have the non-execs making it because they're always mates. So you know, Desmond would need to make the call. I'm afraid, Lowell, if we don't win the league. I don't think he's worth the money he gets anyway. He's certainly not worth the money to be second. Uh, you're the accountant, uh, Rem, um, from M. Bartley 89. Would you run the club into a deficit financially to get 10 in a row? That involves spending fortunes this transfer window. <laughs> no. We don't We don't have to spend all the cash we've got in the bank to win the league. We shouldn't have to. 
we need to get the player we've got, like El Yanusi, who looked a really good player. We need to get him fit, right? Why he played in the League Cup final, I have no idea. That, that was a gamble which has backfired because he's still got a moon boot on. Uh, we, we need to get our, our... We've got too many players we're paying a lot of money for that aren't getting games. We need a, a squad that is fit. We need a couple of players that can walk into the team and change some of the complacency. Um, we don't need to spend 40 million to win the league. This is a great question. I've th- actually thought a bit about this and not that I have an answer. Daisy H75 underscore 75. Sorry, Daisy, for uh, mispronouncing your name. <laughs> Who will replace Lawwell? And will he be a loss? Or I'm assuming will Peter Lawwell be a loss slash missed? Paul, who will replace Peter Lawwell? Uh, uh, on current thinking, I think it will be the, the the Desmond Sowan. I think it will be, that seems to be where things are going. I'm not sure that's exactly how it will work out, but you know, I'm, I'm no party enough to, to, to say who the, the best young football executive in Britain is, but I, I think Desmond will probably keep it in the family. And if he does that, it'll be uh, the son that started to, to take an interest. I think Harry was rumouring that one about two years ago to give him credit. I remember having a conversation with him about two years ago where he was of the impression that was the plan. And uh, I've certainly not heard anything to disavow myself with that notion. Uh, second part of the question, will he be missed? I think it's easy to, 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 to have a kind of kick it the Celtic board, <laughs> we do it frequently, and but I've, I've you know seen behind the curtain on occasion as as I, I know you guys have as well, and it's not an easy job. Uh, you know, there's there's guys like us that are you know foaming at the mouth every time things go bad, and very reluctant to give them much credit when things are going very well. But you would look at the last eight, nine, ten years. I think what Law's been there sixteen years. You probably look at, at that time frame and we've been dominant for most of it. We've probably never made the progress in Europe that I think a lot of us would have liked to have seen. Uh, but domestically, this is probably, you know, amongst the most, you know, rewarded, trophy-laden years that Celtic have had in their history. So you'd have to say, for that point of view, he's done his job. Is he worth what he's paid? That's another question. The uh, On the desert... Oh. Paul, sorry, can I, can I just, Paul, just to, do you not think that if Roman Roy could sell the hearts, he'd be an option for chief exec? <laughs> Here's the, uh, or is it Hibs? <laughs> the uh, two, couple, couple of points that you um, bring up, uh, uh, Paul, uh, you and I might have seen behind the curtain, but Remy lives behind the curtain, okay? Just leave it like that. The other thing is, uh, there's absolutely no chance that the younger Desmond takes over from Peter Lowell. The Desmond family portfolio stretches from one end of the globe to the other. Uh, it's involving all sorts of stuff. I, I, I don't think uh, young De- Mr. Desmond will be decamping to Glasgow to, to put up with all the crap that comes with running uh, Celtic. Uh, although, can you imagine him having to go with meet, to meetings with Rod Petrie and stuff like that? Get lost. Uh, so he won't be doing that. Tell you what, I made the case for Alan Burrows. He's young, but I think he's done an unbelievable job at Motherwell. Uh, brilliant PR, works the press brilliantly, has turned that, I mean, hang on a minute, it's a much smaller scale, done a brilliant, brilliant job turning the club around. Did you see the video they put out? The guy the guy who used to work at STV, Grant Russell, does a great job on their social media. They put a video of what they do during the summer, the school holidays. Any kid 
any kid can just wander down to Motherwell uh, any day during the summer holidays. They get free football training, free sco- uh, free meals. Nobody asks, nobody pays. You just turn up and Motherwell will do that for you. It's an unbelievable scheme. I think the numbers, again, I've probably got this wrong, but 6,500 kids have taken advantage of this scheme. I think, uh, and he's like a decent guy, and he's a guy who's come from the terrace, and I think Alan Burroughs would make a brilliant CEO. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know Alan. I've, I've met him a few times. I, I wouldn't, I'm not, wouldn't say I'm a friend of him, but I know, I know him, and he's good at what he does. He, he runs a small community club. Uh, I don't know what Motherwell's turnover is. Five million, something like that. Uh, he, it, some players, you know, the jersey's too big for them when they come to Celtic. Celtic's way too big a job for Alan Burrows at this stage. It, it's kind of like saying that, you know, as much as I love Tony Hamilton and, and Tony's a brilliant guy in Celtic through and through, I think Tony would be the first person to, to say he couldn't step up and run Celtic. But, you know, Motherwell's turnovers no probably a kick in the backside off what, what the foundation does in terms of that type of stuff so I, I, I get where you're coming from in terms of young football administrators but I'd suspect you'd go outside the country if that's the route we go down They are our director of football or so I, I think he's I, I'm so impressed by him I, and we all God love Tony Hampton we love him he does a brilliant job but Alan Burroughs is his job involves all many different facets, and he's done them all with aplomb. I, I, I'm sure he's put a foot wrong, but right now, I, I, I can't. Well, he remember. has. Well, not remember him out with a laptop. Well, yeah, okay, right. He's put a foot wrong, but again, assuming that Peter Lawwell didn't go to 2021 or whenever. I mean, there's another couple of years for Alan, but again, it's just a name. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Is there anybody else? Can you think of anybody else, Paul? No, I say not, not looking around Scotland. They, 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 of course, if we could tempt Anne Budge across for Edinburgh, that might change things dramatically. <laughs> By the way, how bad a job has she done? It's unbelievable. She gets away with murder. She, she, she's she's done basically. She, she's like Ali McCoy as a manager she is. in terms of football chief executive. She is, you know, self published self publicist extraordinaire, but. An absolute shambles here in ministry. She's terrible, and and I say I, I think I've shared some of the stories I'd heard, which which I'm certainly not going to say publicly. But I've had those kind of triple confirmed to me by other people. So uh, <laughs> she's after absolute shambles. She, you're dead right. Bang on. She's at Ali McCoyst of Paul Administrators. Um, uh, hang on a second. Uh, oh, here's a couple of comedy ones. Uh, Big Nick sixteen. Why is Remy so great? Get lost. <laughs> Here's well, one. Uh, I know it can't be from my mum because she can't work WhatsApp, so she's got no chance with Twitter. So I don't know who that is. Uh, Kevin Maines asks, this is a beauty, is Remy happy with Jack Ross or is he itching for Neil Lennon to come back? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can only politely say F off, Kevin. Here, uh, Actually, Remy, you might know this, right? Again, it's an ancient, stupid question. ZX128K1 asks, what was it that Sally the Gardener said to Neil Lennon that, that caused the big... What was said? You know Lennon pretty well, don't you? What happened? If Lennon doesn't want to say, I'm not going to break any confidence, but it's nowhere near as controversial as anybody thinks, so uh, just leave it at that. Oh, I can't believe it. Discretion on the podcast, Paul. I'll never catch on. Paul, one for you. 
should Ranger, Celtic counter Rangers trainer PR strategy more strongly? Well, well, I think, you know, we've talked about this off mic, as they say, uh, and I think you nailed it quite succinctly. Yep, we, we should be more forceful in protecting the club. Uh, and what I mean by that is, uh, again, Remy talked about this off mic as well, the, the racism accusations, things like that, that are unfounded and are, are there as pure deflection. We should certainly be defending our position on it, but you can compete with lies. You know, it's it's if you look at it, it's like politics these days. Uh, you've just got people who are prepared to lie and lie through their teeth, and you know you can either play that game or you you, you try and take the moral high ground. We're probably need to be a, a wee bit more forceful, but only in as much as protecting the fans and protecting the players. I don't really give a monkey's what trainers saying about anything else, but when he's accusing players and accusing fans of doing particular acts, then you know the club needs to step up and say, well, no on our watch, you know? Yeah, well, I agree with that. I mean, I think if you look at our board of late, they've been quick enough to throw our own fans under the bus. Uh, and they've let that arsehole, Rod Stewart, you know, throw them under the bus and then he gets arrested for assault. But you've got to, we should not be letting other clubs accuse us of having racist supporters with no evidence. Right, I know there'll be people in the, at any crowd in any game of football there will be racists, right? You know, the smart ones, but if there is such a thing, keep their mouth shut, right? But and the more the more people there are, I think the more arseholes there are. But it'll be the same percentage everywhere. I'm not saying we do not have racist fans. I have not seen any evidence of racism at that game. People like don't like Morelos because he's a horrible little git. It's got nothing to do with the colour of his skin and we should not be standing for this. It's an interesting one. You know, the Democrats in the States have been tried four years now to uh, how do you handle Donald Trump? It's a, it's a tricky one. I, I think the way to do it is just to talk past, just talk past the nonsense. You know, because as I say, how can you how can you combat lies? Uh, and, and if you actually invo- involve yourself in that kind of discussion, it then becomes uh, on the one hand this and on the other hand that. When in fact it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not an on the one hand this and an on the one hand that discussion at all because that that presumes that one side is acting and speaking in good faith, and in this instance they're not. And I don't say this and say that Celtic fans are. I mean, I was at the Mark Walters game in 1988, whatever it was, his first, and it was horrendous. You know, yeah. yep, it, it was. I mean, so you know they're. You know, you put sixty thousand people in a building anywhere, and you know you get a fair percentage of them will be. Well, if you put sixty thousand people in America, you can guarantee forty-two percent of them will be racist because forty-two percent people are voting for Donald Trump. Come what may, um, but you know, I mean, how do you compa- You you don't. You just kind of talk. You talk past it, and I think. It's, it's a, go on, Paul. Oh, well, I was going to say it's a, it's a slightly it's it's probably the other side of the coin on this one, but I think it's related. If there was a mistake the Celtic board made uh, when when you know regardless of whether it's this Rangers or the Rangers or whatever, when they came into the league, we perpetuated the false equivalence thing, and I think we've subsequently been you know I think it's cost us. I think we probably should have treated them. A bit more contemptuously than we did, we we certainly shouldn't have been, you know, putting forty nine pound ticket prices and and giving them 
you know, the full allocation that, that, that the Rangers previously got at Celtic Park. And because of that, it, it, it immediately reverted back to the old firm thing. And, you know, I've, I've heard, we've all talked about it, I don't want to spend a lot of time in it, but whether you believe in the existence of the old firm or no, that's the narrative that's there because we've allowed it to happen. And because of that, we've allowed the, the press PR side of the Rangers to, to become emboldened. I think we could have been a wee bit more forceful at the start. We could have taken them a wee bit more contempt. If you look at, for example, the way that uh, Red Bull Leipzig are continue, continue to be treated in the Bundesliga uh, by by most of the clubs, I think, you know, they get treated with utter contempt when uh, because of the the fact they don't comply with the the conventional rules, uh, the Bundesliga, the, the 50 plus one rule, etc. They, they're seen as outsiders, they're seen as degrading the German game and, and I think Scottish football as a whole probably has got lessons to learn through, I think that's how we should have treated Rangers, that's, they shouldn't have been allowed back in and, and all forgotten and I think if there is one thing the Celtic board are complicit in it's that Very well put Paul, I would say um, but it's, it's too late now unfortunately um, and this is what we've got He's just this madman running around just spouting absolute rubbish and clearly transparent rubbish. Uh, and but he has enough supplicants. Uh, in yeah, the but show, like, organizations like Show Racism, the Red Car, oh, and scandalous. the BBC, it's, it's, it's disgraceful. We should not be standing for that. But again, especially it, coming from a club that's had their stand shut twice for racism this season. Um, but again, it's all, it comes back to this on the one hand. I, again, this is what Trump does. This is what these people do. It's not what about me. It's a fact that we well, do not have I, a substantially racist support. I, again, uh, this is my point. You know, the conventions, what trainer understands that the conventions of of media require, say, the BBC to, to treat it as a what about me, as a treat it as a, on the one hand, this, and on the other hand, you know, it's that's... That's the conventions. He he uses these conventions to his own convenience. You're bang on, Remy. It's it's, it's not a case of whataboutery. It's a case of the facts. Um, and I think we see it all three of us in the podcast. We see that we're knowing that you know the the uh, the Celtic support is not a saintly saintly collective. I mean, there are good people inside it and bad people inside it, uh, and especially on this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The uh, uh, any more, Paul? What's hang on a sec? We've got uh, there is a million more, but we kind of should wind up. Oh, hey, here's one, but but I mean, it's going back the way, would you take uh, Benkovic back and loan Remy? No, no, because injury prone, he's injury prone, and I don't think he fancied the physical stuff. Um, no, wouldn't touch him. Uh, here, Paul, Kevin, uh, that was from Mikey Gall. Mikey Gall, you've dominated, you should be hosting this podcast. Um, Here's a Kevin Barnett, uh, 01. What one player within our budget should we buy that would make the biggest difference to the team? Paul. Ooh. I think at the moment, uh, probably Wanyama. Uh, if we're saying that he's within our budget, as I think we're all agreed, uh, or a, or a Wanyama clone, I think we need somebody that really solids up or solidifies that. Uh, the middle of the park and gives us somebody that can rest or can allow Brown and McGregor to, to take a breather. So I think at the moment 
you know, ideally I'd, I'd like a superstar striker, but we're not going to spend 15 million to upwards on a striker. So if we can get one Yama for five or six million quid, that sounds like a good deal for me. Um, I, I'd also say Fraser Foster on a permanent contract, to be honest, but I suppose the fact he's there on loan already, we'd, you know, we'll worry about that at the end of the season. I, I think I think you're right about Foster, but our Foster... But we need a difference. I mean, he is a difference maker, but he's already there, as you say, Paul. We need a, we need a difference maker. Remy, you got any names? No, I, I, I agree with Paul. Uh, if Wanyama's fit and it's anywhere near the Wanyama of old, I'd have him in the team immediately. And we need to get a strike. Paul, the Tim is absolutely insistent that Wanyama's coming. I think he's been on Twitter every day for the last month, welcoming Big Victor. It won't be official until Paul and Tim get his picture taken with him, though. Right, Paul? Yeah, I think Paul, Paul probably just... <laughs> he's like <laughs> the Twitter accounts that, that post multiple scores until and then delete them all when the right score happens to say that he predicted it. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something, though. He, he was... Uh, I think he, he, he tweeted something the other day about the number of games we'd played in the decade, I think it was. Or in fact, it was the number of games we'd played in the eight-in-a-row stroke into the nine-in-a-row season. And he'd been at every single one of them, so I, I think that is a mightily impressive feat. Yeah, that's right. that. yeah, yeah. He comes in for a lot of stick, but we've on the record, big Paul Tim fans. Seems like a nice enough guy. Uh, last question, uh, Stuart McCann, ninety-one. I think Parkhead badly needs a refresh, better quality, quality Wi-Fi for a start. Heaters in the winter. I sit in the main stand, and the interior is horrible, and the pies and coke. You can taste the box it came off, came from off is really tiresome now. What changes would you make? Well, you both season ticket holders. Paul, you can go first. Uh, I think well, I sit, I sit in the, the north stand in the corner and the facilities are uh, spartan, to say the least. So well, I don't think that's the worst part of the ground. I think probably the main stand is the worst. I would like to see a reconstructed main stand <laughs> Uh, I think that would be great from a aesthetics point of view, but I think to be fair, weaving the, the board out of it, uh, the people who've sat in the, in the main stand for so many years uh, have probably had the the worst of everything at Celtic Park. So I think that certainly would be mine. I'd like to see a a, a modernisation of the the main stand. Good shout. I think um, the what's the Wi-Fi like, Rem? Is it bad? Is it as bad I don't as use it? the Wi-Fi. I don't really care about Wi-Fi, to be honest. Um, uh, all I really use my phone for the games is to check the scores in other games if I've got a coupon on. Uh, I'm no bother with Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi in public spaces where lots of people gather is is uniformly bad. I, I can't think of anywhere yeah. that's, uh, that's, that I've been to that's really that good. Um, the... And it's obviously worse at half-time when, when people want to use it. You know, I, I understand that, but I'm the same as Paul. I think we need to bring the main stand roof up to the same height as the rest of the stadium. Um, I'm not saying we need to put in twenty more, twenty thousand more seats because I don't think we do. If I don't, I think what we need to do is improve press facilities. We need to improve, as, as the the questioner said, the catering and the access, etc. In the main stand, it really is bad, uh, and they need to probably do more in the hospitality areas so that. You know, if they're going to put the roof up, they could probably put in more uh, hospitality boxes because there's a lot of money in that. The um, and also you can upgrade the, the dressing rooms. I don't think we're a category UEFA 
ground. I need to have a tunnel. You need to have a tunnel, and the buses need to be able to come in in a tunnel. Um, Aye, and and the press the press areas. I mean, we're still in that ludicrous situation where the the press conferences after European games take place in a tent uh, outside Celtic Park, which is nonsense. So yeah, all that. If you want to be a a 21st century big player, you need all that kind of stuff. Sorted there, but I'm I'm more interested in it for the point of view that for the people who paid for their season tickets in there, and I think they're very poorly served. Yeah, I was at the I was at the what's the Atletico Madrid stadium called the Wall? Uh, what's it? Wonder Metropolitano. Uh, yes, what a that's like a spaceship has landed. It's phenomenal. Unfortunately, it's miles and miles outside of Madrid, but it's uh, what a place, what an experience that is. Unbelievable views. Although you can't, well, the views from the main stand aren't that great either. The the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The cambers. It's a bit Hamden esque, isn't it, Rem? In the main stand. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would. Yeah, this is going to sound extremely ungrateful. The, the view in the director's box. Oh, is, for God's sake, no! <laughs> you're, you're too low. You're too low. Oh, you're too it's, low. It's a fact. Yeah, too low. Plus, the, the roof of the stand so low that you know when you're playing Aberdeen and they wolf it up in the air, you can't see the ball half the time. <sighs> so yeah. uh, you know, it's not. It used to be that obviously there was very, very few seats for a long, long time. And the director's box had the best view in the stadium. It doesn't anymore. It genuinely doesn't. Um, yeah. Uh, and, of course, Eddie, our old pal, Eddie Pearson from Celtic Underground, he's stadium heaters. I mean, he would buy stadium heaters before he'd buy Victor Wanyama at this stage. <laughs> um, um, anyway, I, I suppose a question for both of you. Um, as we approach the second half of the season... Uh, I think we've probably answered it, but just to reiterate, I, I, I'm quite concerned, I have to say. I think, and this refer a couple of people have sent questions in, I, I think they're decent. I like this guy, Michael Beale, that they've got. He strikes me as a Chris Davis type. I think I said this on Harry's podcast. Uh, Chris Davis type, very, you know, is one of these, seems to be one of these guys that never leaves never leaves the office constantly. I, I, hopefully we've got people doing the same kind of thing. He's left the dugout twice in the last two well, games. Well, that's true. Uh, but you know, I, so he can't. He can't be of that analytical a mind if he loses a rag at anything. Uh, the um, I'm I'm quite I'm quite worried, and I think we need to up our game. And I think the coaching staff, in terms of working out a a way to to tackle them and these, you know, if we're going to win the Scottish Cup, we're going to have to go through them. So we're probably playing three games against them. We need to win all three of those games. Um, but, but I, I have to say, I'm, I mean, I still think we are slight favourites, but I wouldn't put it any higher than 55-45 for the league. Um, Paul, wh- wh- how are you feeling looking ahead? Uh, I'm pretty confident. I, I think, again, you're right, we need to probably play them certainly at least twice, maybe three times. Uh, it's, it's unlikely they're going to finish in the bottom six now, unfortunately. So, uh, so, so there's, there is going to be a, a focus around these games, but we're still in that privileged position that if we win our games, we win the league. It's it's in our own hands. It's in our own destiny now, and it, it, it's great in one way. It's it's worrying, but it's great to have a challenge. We we moaned for years, or people moaned for years in Scottish football that it was uh, you know a, a, a one horse race and all that stuff. Everybody's got what they wanted for now. The, the people who you know sort of 
treated Rangers with the, the equivalence that they, they were going to be the big club when they came back, they've got their wish. So, you know, you kind of have it both ways. Fair point of view, we're still the, the wealthiest club. We're still the most successful club in recent years. We've got the better players. Uh, I guess the argument comes down to the, the, the coaching and organisation of the team that we talked about and, and we've talked about repeatedly through this podcast. That's maybe where the question lies at the moment. So, well, not at the end of the season. I'm I'm pretty confident. I think we'll win it. Can you put? I I, I like now. What's what's your? Give me some. Well, I gave you fifty five forty five. What what are you putting at? I'll go seventy thirty. And to finish off with the the tally hole pep talk from Remy. Remy percentage wise ninety one ninety nine. Love it. Why? I mean, why are you so confident? Because I think I don't think they're very good. Uh, they're well organised, but they're not very good. They, they can seriously lighten and flare. Uh, if we if we turn up and get get the tactics right, and we have already got it right, I get what people forget about all oh, the schooled is we schooled them at Ibrook and no, we, we also did. beat them at Hamden. So you know we we have beaten them twice this season to their once. So you know there's a, a there's a lot of people panicking about a bad result. We had a dreadful result against Cluj. They learned from it. So this has been our second really bad result uh, in Lord. performance. Livingston. And I would assume, well, third, uh, I would assume we would, uh, yeah, Livingston, yeah. I would assume that we, we will, well, we learn from the Livingston game. Uh, I'm pretty sure we will learn from this game. Uh, yeah, and we, 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 need to, we need to use our competitive advantage to our advantage. So one of the things we have done pretty well for me as Scott Sinclair going because there's a guy that was never getting a game and just a waste of a wage no harm to the guy he was a great first season but he's been on the way out for about a year and a half and you know I don't know what his wages are but let's say 30k you know that's, a, that's just a complete drain on a guy that's not going to play so at least we look as if we are trying to sort things out that frees up a space for a, for a big player yeah, uh, so you're putting in 1991, quite, quite, quite confident. Um, what's the first game back, Rem? Come on, away, 22nd of January. Well, we play Thistle in the Cup, but first league game is uh, is uh, come on, away on the 22nd of January. Uh, who have they got? They're at home, it's Sunday, crap. Uh, St. Martin or Sunday, I don't know. They, they've, got, they've got Sunday, they should beat, no problem. Okay, um, anyway... Chaps, maybe we'll try and do a few more because it's getting quite exciting, I guess. So we'll try and do a few more. Podcasts. I think I'll say I'm pretty sure, uh, Paul. There's one question that I, I'd quite like asked if you if you want to dig it out. Which one's that? Oh, I found it. About, All right, uh, hang on. Oh, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask. I'll ask this one uh, if I can find it. Yeah, uh, it, it relates to the Celtic Underground podcast. Uh, why? And it's from Grant Peggy One. Why did Warren swear so much on Harry's podcast but doesn't allow Remy to do the same on his? Great, great, great question, question, Grant. Two things. One, it's not certainly not my podcast, that's for sure. This is Remy's podcast. Everybody knows that. Uh, Harry's, well, it's not. It's more of a function of Harry's podcast. It's pretty down market. So we're like, <laughs> so th- this podcast is like the New Yorker or Celtic podcast, right? But Harry's podcast is like the Daily Sport, isn't it? It's more like the Daily Sport or the Daily Star or something. No, not. It's no got to be the National Enquirer. If you're oh, so that, that's right. <laughs> so Harry's because his total Moonbeam stuff over there, isn't it? It's all, 
you know, he just talks rubbish, you know, fat, you know, tactics and stuff like that. You won't, you know, anyway, I don't know, actually. I was thinking about that during the time. I think it's different when you're the, when you're hosting a podcast, I think. So you can, if you're a guest, mind you, you're a guest. So, no, no reason for it. Remy, you can swear as much. You want to swear a wee bit for a couple of minutes, so you're all right. And, and to, to quote the, uh, the legendary Logan Roy, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, that's the first uh, podcast of the year. I hope it was all right. Uh, we went on a bit, um, but uh, and I think the sound quality was a little bit ropey here and there, but I'll do my best in editing. Uh, hopefully, by the time you get to the end of it, if you got to the end of it, you you wouldn't have noticed the sound quality. Paul, brilliant to talk to you, Paul. Thanks for doing the questions. Thanks to everybody. I mean, just phenomenal uh, number of questions. Sorry we didn't get to them all, but we got we got through most of the topics in some way, shape, or form. So thanks for that. Thanks for putting them together, Paul. Talk to you soon, no Paul. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lawrence. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, Rem. See you later, Rem. See you later, Lawrence.